We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. FPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's R-V-R-A-D-I-O-2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, welcome in to the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. I am Eric Balkman. You probably know me from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the FFPC High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, and of course, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Hey, if you are looking for some action this week in um, the FFPC, but you want to do it from a weekly standpoint, play the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There's no draft. There's no salary cap with this. You just choose the 10 or 12 players uh, that you want before Sunday's kickoff, and then you just watch them right out through the weekend's games. Remember, only one player per NFL team. I say 10 players or 12 players because you can play the slim format without kickers or defenses, or you could play the classic format with kickers and defenses. You can enter for $35. You can enter for $200, whatever you want to do there. 30-team contest, 100-team contest. And if you want to join the 10-team contest, you beat out the other nine players in that you will have a free ticket a free ride to compete in the 2023 ffpc main event a contest that will pay out a one million dollar grand prize that's all at myffpc.com want to welcome in tonight's guest <clears throat> this week's guest on the road of his high stake uh stakes lowdown a very accomplished high stakes player and a guy who just uh uh finished 10th overall in the 2022 football guys players championship regular season as he seeks a much bigger payday in a $500,000 grand prize coming up in just a few weeks. You know him as Joe Van Gogh. I know him as Daniel Priestner. Uh, Daniel, welcome into the program tonight. I appreciate you joining me. Great to be here. Thanks a lot, Eric. Um, the, the I guess you're the random artist of fantasy football, Joe Van Gogh, right? <laughs> um, I know you said, you told me this when you were on the HSFFL, or um, you told me how that name came up. Can you tell the viewers how the, the Joe Van Gogh name sure. came to be? Absolutely. Growing up, one of my favorite artists' uh, name was Dan Byrne. He's a folk artist. Uh, I think he's one of the great American songwriters. And he wrote a song called Joe Van Gogh, and it was about 
the son of Vincent van Gogh and trying to um, kind of you know, live in the shadow of uh, somebody like that. And I kind of related to that, uh, I have a very successful father. And so I, I kind of always related to that song. And um, I started using the handle Joe van Gogh uh, online, like back before, you know, 23, 24 years ago, like when I was a teenager, back before, you know, I even thought about putting my own name on the internet. Um, so I've just, it's kind of always stuck with me. And when I signed up for FFPC, uh, I was like, oh, cool. It's a great opportunity to use the Joe Van Gogh moniker. And so I just went with it and, uh, it's once again, it's stuck. So it has stuck. It has stuck. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of people, nobody knows you as Daniel Priestner, but everybody knows you as Joe Van Gogh, obviously. Um, in fact, we had, um, well, I'll get to, we had a tweet about this that, that we'll get to later on in the show, but, but, and I will get into that, uh, for sure. Cause it comes into um one of the competitors that has um battled you over the years in the ffpc we'll get into that in a second okay um this draft that you absolutely that you are in 10th place in the in overall in the football guys players championship you started off the draft with with four straight receivers now that's not a you know hard and fast zero rb but it's it's pretty close um can you tell me a little bit about what your how you I don't want to say how you've evolved, but how you have started off drafts in the FFPC, maybe in years before this, to how it came to be that that you started off this specific draft with four receivers. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think structural drafting has a clear advantage. Paying attention, uh, paying attention to your roster construction. And a few years ago, when I started in FFPC, I was certainly more of a robust RB drafter, and I would sometimes come out of the gates with three, four running backs in the first four or five rounds, and I saw so many of those teams over the years go down with injuries and I would only survive if I won the big waiver bid on the Eli Mitchell types. And so I'd also end up uh, at the same time, very thin at receiver. And I'd find that when my receivers went down or when they were on by, it'd be really hard to find replacement level talent on the wire. And, you know, the wire is full of running backs who nobody's interested in uh, one week and are in a feature role the next week. Uh, we just saw Samaj AP in the last two weeks uh, go through that. And, you just don't seem to find that kind of volatility at wide receiver. It's the nature of the position. There's uh, three or four guys on the field at once at wide receiver, and there's usually only one running back on the field. So uh, I've made a deliberate shift in tactics over the past few years in redraft formats for sure. Um, and this year, I noticed it started falling into shape real early in draft season uh, with the ADP. And you know, there were so many stable-looking receivers in rounds two through five uh, where the running backs I was looking at and considering had question marks. Um, and so, you know, I listen to, uh, most everything that JJ Zacharyson produces. I think he's a real sharp, uh, guy. And, uh, this notion was really confirmed by him this summer with historical data on players drafted in those range and their production, uh, relative to ADP and whether they were breakout, uh, breakout or not. So, um, that kind of went a long way and the ADP of the, the players kind of stood out to me. If you look at the second round, uh, through the fifth round, you've got a lot of, a lot of landmines there like Najee, Swift. Kamara, Fournette, Javante Williams, Zeke, um, Brees Hall, Akers, Dobbins, Dylan, the list goes on. And if you look at the same guys that were going in those rounds at wide receiver, it's Debo, it's T, it's Tyreek, it's Evans and AJ Brown and, and McLaurin and Waddle, uh, St. Brown, like it's, a, it's, it's like a greatest hits collection. So um, it kind of just lined up for me this year in that I was focused on those receivers through rounds two through five. Um, and, you know, in the first round, there's you know some guys there that I liked, JT, Obviously, CMC, Eckler. I wasn't really on Henry, which was a mistake because of the injury. Um, but so there were some options in the first round for sure. Uh, but in that particular draft, I had the third 
pick and um, the two running backs were off the board. So I just went with the wide receiver. Do you, um, have you noticed um, a shift in maybe your levels of success since you went from more of a robust RB drafter to more of a, a you know, a, could, you know, quasi conventional sure. zero, a zero RB drafter, you've noticed more success now. I have for sure. Um, I think in years past, I would really felt like I was trying to thread the needle for that that team uh, to make it to the to the kind of final four in the playoffs. And this year, I felt uh, a lot more confident. Like I had a lot stronger floor across my teams, uh, and I was able to place uh, fifteen out of twenty seven football guys in the playoffs. Um, Eleven were top two seeds of those, and five had fifth place that just missed the playoffs. So. Um, I feel really good about the strategy this year. I actually only regret um, not playing as many teams as I played in the past. Um, okay, so let, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, I want to explore this a little bit more here. Um, you said um, you where you weren't successful waiting too long at quarterback and tight end. You had a lot of Trey Lance, which I know a lot of a yeah, lot of. I mentioned that lot, to you before the right, show. Right, a lot of Trey Lance, a lot of Justin Fields. Yeah. One of those has worked out. One of those maybe <laughs> less as much. Yeah. For um, sure. So, so the, the thing is, it's like, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about quarterbacks uh, here, because one of the things I learned in my, in my high stakes leagues this year, I typically will wait and wait and wait on a quarterback unless I get like an insane value. Like I got Patrick Mahomes in the eighth round of a draft this year. Okay. I'm, I'm on board at that point. But even when I'm waiting until like 10 or 11 quarterbacks are off the board, I, I will draft like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Those are a lot of the guys I got a lot mm -hmm. of this year. Um, but I wouldn't back them up. And um, the problem for me was I had, man, a half dozen Dak Prescott teams that were dead in the water. right? Not dead in the water, but I was behind the eight ball right away mm -hmm. because I didn't draft a backup uh, quarterback. Now, I got lucky with a couple of them with Geno Smith and Jared Goff earlier in the season. But let's talk a little bit uh, about quarterbacks because I think, for me personally, I have changed because I learned my lesson this year. I've I've changed my philosophy on at least drafting a backup quarterback, even if I'm going to get a top ten guy. I'm still going to uh, back that up. But quarterbacks as a whole, how do you think the ADP changes, or does it change from what we've seen in 2022 to 2023? Yeah, I mean, I had a similar problem like I was telling you before the show. You know, Lance and Dak. And Fields, and obviously Fields didn't break out until later in the season. He's really saved a whole bunch of my football guys' teams where I had him as a backup, uh, and he ended up uh, breaking out, which was great. But um, as far as QB goes, it's just seemed like the last two years, the top five, six, seven, whatever you want to call it, uh, quarterbacks are really separating from the field mm -hmm. just so much more than they did in the past. And it's mostly the rushing that makes the difference. But in, in some cases, it's, it's both, right? you got Josh Allen, who's just doing everything. Um, and you got a lot of guys uh, in that top five or six that, you know, are just really hard to keep up with. So I found um, this year I thought, OK, I'll be I'll be sneaky. I'll get Lance. I'll get Dak. I'll get Fields uh, and I'll keep up with those guys who have Josh Allen and have Mahomes. And that did not work out very well this year at all. Uh, Fields obviously came through in the end here and hopefully that sticks uh, through, you know, through the championship rounds. But uh, I think the as you mentioned, ADP. I think the quarterbacks are going to go earlier than we've seen before in redraft next year. I think you're going to see really bullish uh, drafters on on Josh Allen, Mahomes, um, probably Lamar, probably Herbert, um, and all these guys. So I think Burrow, too, he's been putting up big numbers, not even running. 
Uh, so I think you're going to see these five or six guys go in, you know, rounds two through four when they were going in rounds four through, you know, eight or so uh, last year. That's my prediction. One of the things when when Dave the Dizzle Gerzak and I used to broadcast the pros versus Joe's um, drafts and now uh, Farrell Elliott, the KFFSC commissioner and me do it. One of the things I've always said, and these are, you know, best ball slim draft, I always said, and Dave agreed with me too, like, you know, it's tough to to get away with it an elite quarterback and an elite tight end um, in drafts it because mm -hmm. it, it hamstrings you with, with running backs and receivers. Now this year, and with a lot of the stuff you've just said, and we'll get into tight ends now, I almost think that the advantage is going with elite quarterback and elite tight end early. Um, one of my Kentucky drafts uh, that I drafted this year uh, in the KFFSC with Dave, we ended up getting Josh Allen in the, uh, we got Josh Allen in the fourth, we took Mark Andrews in the in the second round, and this is obviously non tight end premium. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. I was like, "This is suicide. We're gonna you have to start three receivers in that format." Where and our our third receiver is gonna be like Kadarius Tony or um, you know somebody awful, Adam Thielen. I'm like, "This is horrible. We got to start one of these guys every single mm -hmm. week. We do this." And yet that team just came this close to winning the league championship this past week. So wow. I think and, and and we'll talk about this here. What is is sort of your takeaway going forward, not only with quarterbacks ADP going up, but is there more of an impetus like, look, you've got to get an elite tight end. And, and if you have to, uh, if it costs you a little bit at receiver, if it costs you a little bit at running back, so be it. Because the, the chasm between an elite tight end and the majority of tight ends, it, 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 it's gotten bigger this year, Daniel. I would say that's for sure. I, I would just caveat that and say though that the only problem is that there's only two or three guys you know it's it's Kelsey it's Andrews and now it looks like it's Hawkinson um mm -hmm. but who else really is it you know there's some guys there Goddard before he got hurt um and I'm probably missing somebody just off the top of my head but it's it's there's not a lot of uh, depth at the top so if you're going to get a Kelsey or an Andrews um I would guess they're going to go early first next year in most drafts uh, for that exact reason that you're talking about and then if you miss them um, I, I start to wonder what is an elite tight end because I, I've been on Waller for two years and all he's been is injured. Um, you know, and a guy like that, Kittle, is in and out of the lineup all the time and very hit and miss, boom, bust. Uh, and I love the, the player. I think he's one of the probably even the best tight end of the league all around. But uh, for fantasy, he's very hit and miss. So, you know, what is an elite tight end? And are you willing to stretch on anyone other than Kelsey, Andrews, and maybe Hawkinson in the first couple of rounds? I, I don't know. And I, think I, about I, all the people that, that stretched and took pits in the second this year. That were not uh, rewarded. Pitts is the perfect example. I've almost forgotten about him because I dropped them in most of my <laughs> redraft teams. It's like, oh man, what a disaster, right? Um, so you know, reaching for uh, it's a perfect example. Reaching for a player like Pitts, like holy cow, that was a projection. Uh, and we all, you know, we saw a thousand yards, but we did, you know, we've seen Marcus Mariota play quarterback. Uh, and so you know, the projection on Pitts was not the same as with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. We saw Jelani Woods put up, uh, you know, sixteen or seventeen points last week with Matt Ryan, just because he was the only guy there and they're playing from behind. I think that um, I, I, I'm as, as intrigued as I am on running backs and receivers ADP for 2023, quarterbacks and tight ends in the FFPC is going to be very, very interesting to see um, how those guys go, uh, because I, I think that is going to shift a, a lot of of, uh, of drafts. As You know, think about the people that that have to get the two tight ends in the first two rounds or two tight ends in the first three rounds, you know, which obviously puts everybody else behind the eight ball and i don't know how people are going to react to that is that going to push the tight ends up is that going to make them fall further i don't know this is all uh topics that we will have going forward uh in 2023 let's talk about 2022 in this uh, team that you have in 10th place 
in the Football Guys Players Championship. You drafted Jamison Williams, the rookie out of, of uh, Alabama for the Detroit Lions, a guy that many people thought would be the number one receiver drafted uh, if he wouldn't have torn his ACL in the college football playoff game last year. You kept him on your roster the entire season. Um, he made his debut last week. I did not think he was going to be coming back this early, but he he defied my odds. He's back there. Um, I think that you want to preach a little caution before people start starting him in the championship though, round, though, right? No doubt. Uh, in hindsight, um, you know, I had Jamison on honestly 60 or 70 percent of my football guys teams because he was going in like the 15th round. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a he's a flashy rookie drafted very early. I knew the injury. I knew there was a good chance he wouldn't make it back. I was hoping for maybe more of a miracle recovery like we saw from some of the running backs where he gets back, you know, three or four weeks earlier than we thought. Uh, and maybe turns into a productive late season player. At this point, um, I you know I'm not I'm not too excited. He's still on my roster, but eight snaps last week. We really don't know how healthy he is. Uh, he's obviously going to be rusty. Uh, we think he's really good, but we actually don't know that yet. Um, and with this team, we've just seen it with Swift uh, all season, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But we don't know, you know, if the coaches even prefer him to his teammates at this point. DJ Chark looked pretty decent last week, uh, so to me, he's hard to trust until we see something. I'll obviously cross my fingers that you know he pops and suddenly we're we're starting him in the in the championships, but I, I really doubt it. Um, if I'm looking at a lion this week, uh, DFS or for a, a flex play, I'm probably looking at Chark. Um, another uh, rookie receiver who has actually been on a tear lately ha has been Christian Watson. Nine touchdowns on the year, including eight in his last four games. I saw a stat. He has eight touchdowns in his last 17 touches, which I think you will tell me, and I will agree with you, that is not sustainable. But <laughs> I don't think a three-touchdown game against Dallas is sustainable, and yet this guy finds himself in the end zone pretty much every single week. Um, I finally, I don't want to say bit the bullet, but I finally drank the Kool-Aid this past week in the leagues I have him in. I was like, okay, I'm playing him now at this point. I know touchdowns are fluky, but this all this guy's doing is putting up points. I got to get him in there. How close is he to must-start status for people playing in their FFPC main event and their football guys' uh, league championship games this weekend? That's a great uh, not question. Just, I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> They're on by this weekend. But in the, on in by. the, yeah. in the championship round, how That's close right. is he to a must-start status? Um, funny because in my home league with a bunch of uh, a bunch of friends and, and colleagues, uh, I have Watson. Um, obviously picked him up off waivers after his first big game. Uh, and this week, I really debated hard. Do I play him or Godwin? And like the projection for Godwin is so much better. You know, the volume's coming. You know, Tom Brady's going to be looking at him all game long. And you don't know if Watson's going to get one target or six. And you don't know if he's going to break a big play or not because he's been living on touchdowns and big plays. But at this point, honestly, you got to ride the wave. Uh, you know, I chose Godwin and I lost my contest by 0.7 in my home wow. league. Uh, and if I chose Watson, I would have clearly won the matchup. Yeah. So, you know, the guy's a specimen. You know, uh, I've only, you know, seen uh, a few of his highlights but he he can run man like this guy is an absolute monster uh his uh his um you know you look on player profiler at his uh his metrics and he just threw the roof on everything athletic and so you have to think if you've got a quarterback like aaron Rodgers, he's still he still knows how to hit his number one receiver just hasn't had one until this point in the season so my opinion you kind of have to ride the wave and i'm really really happy that uh i was picking him up late in most of my football guys drafts because he's really helped uh, along him and fields coming together at the same time really propelled uh, a good portion of my teams to the playoffs yeah and it's 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 crazy how these things work out where a guy like christian watson has sort of been non-existent most of the season all of a sudden he's not only helping people get to their 
league playoffs, but, you know, helping people win in their league playoffs and getting them in their championship game, something that we didn't really think was going to happen after he got his knee scoped. And then he obviously dropped that 75-yard touchdown uh, catch in week one um, and was kind of written off. Then he had the concussion and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But you're right, riding the wave is probably the way to do it uh, at this point in the season. Um, I do want to bring up Jamal Williams here. Um, I saw this is the past this past week on the high stakes fantasy football or Farrell Elliott brought this to my attention. I didn't realize it. Um, he Jamal Williams is leading the league, not the NFC, not the NFC North, not the Lions. He is leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns this season. He's got 14 of them heading into week 14. Um, this is a difficult question, but how did we let a guy like Jamal Williams slip so far in drafts? Um, when he has just been a godsend for anybody who drafted him in that, you know, round eight, nine, 10, 11 range, whatever it was. I can't say that I was uh, ahead of the game on him, but I did get him in round 13 on this 10th place football guys team. And I mean, I don't know how that happened. Very lucky. But if I look at, you know, his touchdown rate, it's probably again, like Watson, not sustainable. I think he has eight rushes from the one yard line mm -hmm. uh, this year. I mean, so you've got, you know, Eamon Ross, St. Brown, who's already on a tear falling out at the one yard line and, and Swift and these guys, uh, and he's just punching it in every time. So that's not going to last, but like Watson, I think you have to ride the wave if you don't have better options at running back. Uh, if you don't have superstars really at running back, you're probably playing Jamal Williams right now. Um, we always forget about these guys that, you know, they start to age a little bit. And I don't even think Williams is even that old, but we, we kind of forget about these guys that we think are dusty and they're really not because every time they get an opportunity in a feature role, they actually produce. And Jamal Williams is the perfect example of that. Uh, and it seems like we all forgot about that this offseason. We were so high on uh, Swift. Uh, and even looking at last year, Jamal had, you know, a role that cut into Swift pretty significantly. So this is one everyone really missed. And I was looking back at some of the draft boards from rounds 10 and 11, and it's littered with handcuffs and backup with upsides like Madison and Gainwell and Henderson and uh, Khalil Herbert, uh, Rashad White, Pacheco. Uh, and all these guys were going, you know, rounds ahead of Jamal Williams. And really, I, I, in hindsight, I don't see any difference between, uh, you know, the opportunity for those players. Uh, and odd that Swift kind of got benched. Um, and so there must be a personality thing there or something. And we know as far as personality goes as well, that Jamal Williams has a big personality. He's loved in the locker room. He's a real coach's pet. Um, so uh, frankly, I, I, in hindsight, I can't see how we all uh, didn't pick him a round or two ahead of those other handcuffs. Um, 27 years old. He turns 28 in, in April of, of next year, uh, does Jamal Williams. And I think the other thing too, and I, I, I don't think that there was a hard knock spike on Jamal Williams, but I remember when hard knocks was airing on HBO this summer, and Deuce Staley and, and some of the Lions coaching staff were talking about, and this actually came out in the news too, that they were trying to get him to not necessarily play injured, but play through pain, play play hurt. Um, that was one of the emphasis uh, emphases that they had for uh, DeAndre Swift in, in training camp. And then he gets stinged up. And again, I don't know. I know he played through some pain. I don't know how much of it. I, and I don't know, maybe it was stuff that he just shouldn't have been out there for. But Jamal Williams was a guy that um, had a lot of talent in Green Bay. And I know they didn't want to let him go, but it just made sense because they already had A.J. Dillon there mm -hmm. that they would let him go. And then he signs with Detroit. And it's certainly been a great pairing there uh, so far Absolutely. In, in, uh, in Detroit. And the um, other note about Detroit, too, you've got you've had big, big shootout game environments all year yes, long, right? So yes. Jamal's had plenty of opportunities to, to bang those those in that, you know, in, in previous years with Detroit wouldn't have been there. 
Um, Deshaun Watson made his return to the NFL field in uh, in week 13. And to say he looked rusty is probably a bit of an understatement. He goes to Cincinnati this week in, in the battle for Ohio. This is a game where the Browns are getting six and a half points. The totals at, at 47 and a half. If you rolled him out there, like I did in a couple of uh, leagues uh, this past week, kind of depends upon what your other quarterback options are. But man, after what he did last week, I don't, against Houston too, by the way, I don't necessarily feel all warm and fuzzy about starting him in week 14 at Cincinnati. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I hear you on that. Um, uh, he's another guy like, um, uh, you know, that I had at the end of drafts grabbing uh, like Jamison Williams you know, pretty frequently in the 14th, 15th, um, just because I knew the upside. He's, he's obviously such a talented quarterback. Uh, I kind of feel like you can't give up on him now if, if you held him and you don't have better options. I can't see you finding a quarterback on the waiver wire. Um, you know, right. Maybe there's someone with a great matchup this week that you prefer, but I think it's a it's a decent uh, game environment. The Bengals are going to put up points. He's probably going to have to be throwing the ball from behind. He was probably rusty last week. So I think if he shakes off the rust, he's got top six upside still. Uh, and there could be some people riding him uh, through the championships. But uh, that said, I honestly didn't watch the game. I didn't see any of his highlights. So I didn't see how rusty he looked. But um, I'd give the guy another chance for sure. The thing with Watson is it, it, it's kind of the, like I didn't I was red zoning it on Sunday, so I didn't see a ton of them. But I did see some passes. He he just his accuracy wasn't there. He bounced a couple in there, um, a couple of bad decisions, which quite frankly, dude hasn't played in over two years. You're probably gonna get some of that um, exactly. as as well. But there the upside is tremendous. And I went through in again, that I'll keep bringing up the KFFSC because it's the majority of the leagues I play in are there. Um, the waiver wire closed in the main event uh this past week. So I was looking for backup quarterbacks and, and in a lot of my leagues where I only had one where the wire locks for the rest of the season, there was nothing out there. I mean, there's just, everybody had um, yeah. a backup quarterback and there just wasn't like, I've had to pick up Jordan love in a couple of leagues. And I'm just hoping <laughs> right. that once Rogers or the, you know, the Packers are probably going to be out of the playoffs when they come back from their bye in week 15. And then maybe you get some starts out of Jordan love if you absolutely right. need it. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, dude, what are you doing for backup quarterback right now? Brock Purdy? in San Francisco or, or Baker Mayfield for their, it's real rough. It's real rough. So yeah, I think Watson um, is, is probably going to be a lot better and, and have tremendously more upside than anybody else out on the waiver. Where yeah, they, people, people are really hoarding their quarterbacks in, yes. in those contests, like football guys are going to get same thing. How do you normally do that when the wire locks in those national contests? I mean, I, 
I for sure have to have two quarterbacks, for sure have to have two tight ends. Maybe I can get away with one defense, depending upon how the defense it is. I got it, you know, I guess it comes down to, like, if I can stomach it and I, if I can, you know, get rid of the extra roster spot, I'll carry two kickers just in case. But that's the one that usually falls by the wayside is I'll just go to battle with with one kicker once the once the waiver wire locks. How do you normally handle your roster construction? I think I have to do it tomorrow, don't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or, or by, by Sunday. Or Sunday. Yeah. yeah it's going to be uh, – I'm usually a guy who likes to have the, the, the backups available. Like, I'll definitely want two quarterbacks. The odd time uh, – the odd, odd time you'd have three if you maybe just picked one up, like a Kenny Pickett or something through mm-hmm. you know, for a bye week. Uh, I might even just hold the guy um, just in case. But typically, I'm going to go two quarterbacks. Uh, I am going to go two kickers in on almost all my teams. Uh, I have been burned before where a kicker got hurt in the championship. And I just, to me, to, to miss out on, on that kind of glue, like $500,000 over a kicker being hurt would really, really, uh, that would burn my wife probably even more than it burns me. So I don't think I could let that happen. So, uh, one defense, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with one defense, uh, especially if I have a defense that I like, uh, their matchups coming up. Um, if I have a defense that I don't like their matchups, I'll even consider a second defense, but then you get into who am I dropping? Um, yeah. and you, then that, then usually Jamison Williams is, is, then he's gone. Right. So that's kind of where you have to make that decision. If, uh, JK Dobbins does indeed make his return, um, to the Ravens this week, do you play him against Pittsburgh or do you kind of got to give him one more week and, and just see how he works into the rotation in Baltimore? I can't trust it till I see it with JK. Uh, I know he came in earlier this season. He popped two quick touchdowns and, and looked great. Uh, but he wasn't healthy and he was back out. Um, so I have a few questions there. You know, first of all, is he healthy? Second, will he even have the number one role? Uh, or will he right. be coming back to, you know, maybe a number two spot where they ease him in? Gus Edwards has been playing reasonably well. Um, then you've got the Lamar Jackson situation. Is he healthy? Um, and if he's not, you know, I think that really caps the the upside of the team as far as the offensive scoring. And frankly, they haven't been doing much even with Lamar recently uh, on offense. And, you know, their receivers are clearly depleted. So, um, I would leave Dobbins on the bench until I see something. Uh, obviously, I would hope uh, that he comes in, takes the job, looks great, and then everyone's going to be starting him in the championships, and that would be exciting. I have Dobbins on a few teams, but I'm not expecting much. Yeah, I think you got to go in with with low expectations here. Um, you know, it's not like he's been a world beater even when he was healthy uh, on that team. To your point, and I think the other thing too is, um, well, you know, he's one of those guys where for whatever reason, it just seems like the Baltimore backfield has been beat up over the years. And maybe I'm, maybe it's just, you know, coincidence or whatever, but, you know, obviously Gus Edwards and, and JK Dobbins there have, have, you know, gotten hurt, Kenyon Drake, what have you. But um, he's one of those guys where if there was another injury or, you know, God forbid if Lamar Jackson couldn't play in week 16 or week 17 and they have to rely on the run game, then all of a sudden, if Dobbins is the guy, then he could be the guy. Um, but it's just he has yeah. not been able to sustain that type of success over the course of the season. I think you have to hold him, like in football, guys. You can't drop him for a you know for a fringe guy or a kicker or anything like that. Obviously, uh, you got to hold him. Uh, but frankly, this week I'd just be picking Huntley up on my superflex teams. Yeah, um, and I'd be considering you know how he looks against you know your number two quarterback because he's got lots of rushing upside. Uh, so I just look at Huntley this week and, and then wait to see what happens with Dobbins. You know, another guy that and he doesn't get the volume that that J.K. Dobbins does when when he's healthy. But Sky Moore has been a guy who has shown us flashes this year. I know uh, you play a lot of Dynasty. I know there's a lot of people excited um, 
when the Chiefs drafted Sky Moore in in uh, in Kansas City, and this was a guy that was going sometimes as high as like the mid first in in some rookie drafts. People mm-hmm. are very excited about him with Tyreek Hill moving on to Miami. Um, he's showing us flashes. Um, are are you ready to to say okay? This guy is worth the roll of a dice as a flex, or is he just still too inconsistent when you think about everything that's going to be on the line in the next few weeks? Funny, I wish I could trade all my Sky Moore in Dynasty for Christian Watson now. Yes. I would never have even thought about that about eight weeks or even six weeks ago, right? Um, but I can't trust this guy either. Uh, low snap count all season long. He's playing behind you know guys that we know are not you know high level talents. You, you know these are medium level talents and Hardman and MVS. And these types of guys, uh, he put up another zero last week. I know we got excited by the two weeks of the high targets per route run there. He had six targets two weeks in a row, and he wasn't on the field much. And when mm-hmm. he came on, Mahomes was looking for him, which was really encouraging. But again, just like with Dobbins, I mean, I'm going to have to see it before I trust him. And in a format like football, guys, he's actually a tough hold at this point in the year based on what we talked about a few minutes ago. So um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting much from, from Sky Moore right now. You know, and you made the point too, like – even when when guys in the Kansas City passing game have been hurt, it's not like he's been this target funnel there, uh, which is what no. you're looking for. Because obviously you're not going to start Sky Moore when everybody's, you know, Kansas City's at the peak of their powers and everybody's healthy. You play Sky Moore when they're a man and you need somebody to fill in. But even when they've had that situation and the opportunity has presented itself for Sky Moore, uh, he hasn't always, you know, came through on that. In fact, he's rarely come through on that. And he's a rookie and what have you, and he'll get better. But this year or this time of year, you, you got to, you know, go with the guys you can trust. And clearly you and I are of one mind here. Sky Moore is not only not a guy you can trust, but he's a guy you can probably cut in a lot of leagues. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, but not Dynasty Leagues. Um, is no. there a, a defense? We, we just touched on this a little bit. You know, maybe you're cutting Sky Moore for a defense um, in football guys or the FFPC main event. Uh, that that you think that um, not only can help you win your league title this week, but maybe help you in the championship round. Who are some of those defenses out there that you like for that three-week sprint coming up? Um, I like Kansas City. They've got Denver twice, I think. Um, LA Chargers as well. Uh, they've got a couple of good matchups against the Colts and Rams, uh, but I would caution you against the Titans because uh, their run defense is, is really right. a sieve and Hen- Henry could run all over them. Um Pittsburgh this week against Huntley, uh, you could look at as well if you're looking for a defense. Um, Chiefs do go to Denver this week for their first matchup against Denver uh, this season, which is crazy. And then week 17, with everything on the line, New Year's Day, Denver and Russell Wilson goes to Arrowhead, and that could be a game where the Chiefs absolutely feast, the defense absolutely feast. I would want I would want Kansas City in Week 17 in that matchup at Arrowhead, 100%. No question. I, I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, t- tell me a little bit about um, how you scout uh, players for, for Dynasty. Like, is this a process that just begins when the season ends? You start looking at and reading up on what, what other pundits and what other, you know, Dynasty scouts are saying. Are you grinding film? At, at what point does the process start for you? And how do you, you know, essentially know which guys you like when it comes to rookie drafts? Sure. Well, I'm a, I've got a very, very busy life between, uh, you know, two young kids and then also a very busy job. Um, if this was a full-time, you know, job for me that I was, um, you know, that I was invested in, you know, these teams and, and I was working at it, you know, outside and I wasn't in a, in a regular 
uh, and I wasn't in a regular job, I would be all over the college tape. I would be watching every single uh, game. Uh, every Sunday, I would watch everything, everything, absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. But and I'm so passionate. I love football. I love watching football. Unfortunately, I'm down to the point where I can barely watch Red Zone anymore. You know, uh, Sunday rolls around. It's been a busy week and it's it's time for the kids. My son has hockey on Sundays, so I take him out. He's five years old, just learning to uh, to play with, uh, they call it Timbits out here. Uh, so uh, I'm openly not a college buff. Uh, I don't watch uh, the film, uh, but I start my process as soon as the regular season ends. So um, I get into a lot of details around the metrics of these players. Mm -hmm. I pay very close attention to their production. I pay close attention to, um, you know, what, you know, obviously the more respected people that I, I listen to in the, in the industry in terms of their opinions say, uh, and then I also look at, uh, you know, the pro days and then of course, draft capital is a big one. Uh, cause that really tells you a lot of the story. Uh, how did the NFL actually feel about these players once you get through that process? So as far as the players coming up this year right now, um, you know, I couldn't speak much to the, to the group. Uh, I, I have heard it's an exciting class, and obviously Bijan Robinson's gotten a lot of headlines the last couple of years, and you read a lot about him. So I'm looking forward to uh, actually getting to know this draft class a lot better than I do today. I think that um, more so than – I mean, definitely more so than 2021, but more so than in a lot of previous years, I think super flex rookie drafts are going to be really fascinating this year because you have as many as – maybe five or six potential first round quarterbacks going in this year's class. You can think about CJ Stroud and, and um, uh, all the kid from Alabama, whose name is escaping me right now. Bryce young. Is that his name? Yeah. I say. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> will will. Yeah, exactly. Will Levis uh, from Kentucky uh, is going to be a high pick. Um, there are, there are so many talented quarterbacks that uh, it's, you could get a guy like Bijan Robinson at like the 105 in a super flex this year, which is super flex rookie draft, which is crazy. Um, but you're cool. right. I, I think that this it's going to be a fun rookie class. It's going to be a lot of fun once, you know, this season is behind us and we, we start scouting these guys. We'll get one last look at them during bowl season, obviously, as well. But to when you talk about how busy your life is, this is the, the tweet I wanted to share with you that I mentioned at the top of the show. At Curtis Harsh on Twitter, better known as Curtis Hirsch in the FFPC. Um, he said he has a question for you from a fellow Albertan. Um, I, that's what it is, right? From Alberta. Yes, that's right. Albertan. It's a, it, that's, it's Albertan, Albertan, yeah. Albertan, okay. Um, he said you're not only crushing it in Dynasty and Redraft, you're also crushing it with your business. He says, uh, number one, do you sleep and how do you manage your fantasy uh, um, teams in addition to your career? And I guess that's compelling to me. When you have, especially because I, I, I mean, my kids are still young. They're nine and seven. But um, I remember when, when they were five and three or six and four or whatever. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, it's time consuming. Like, because there's still a lot of stuff that, you know, you want to spend time with them while they're young. And at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that they can't do. And then you're, you're, you happen to do it. You know, I'm there on the weekend. So I'm helping them do it. Uh, and, and with, with your career and everything. Man, that's got to be a pain managing as many leagues as you do, like Wednesday night waivers, Sunday night lineup submissions. How do you do it? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, my wife is uh, very supportive and deals with a lot of the uh, the home stuff. And so I'm very lucky from that standpoint. Um, in terms of, um, you know, waivers and whatnot, I actually have a partner that I uh, deal with in Dynasty. Uh, his name's Rob Walsh. Uh, really, really sharp guy. Uh, get along with him really well. Uh, met him up with him a few times and Vegas and 
uh, along great. We have an awesome partnership. Uh, he handles, um, I would say, about 70% of uh, my dynasty portfolio in terms of the waivers. And uh, he's a really sharp trader, makes great deals. He's a really good drafter. He knows uh, the rookie classes inside out. So, uh, And uh, those who are kind of deep in the dynasty circles have probably noticed Rob the last few years. He's made definitely some waves in that uh, in that space. So uh, we've got a team called Smoke and Aces. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've got a, a whole pile of teams. Uh, and uh, obviously, this is the, the, the big chase for the, the playoffs this, next, this week coming up. Uh, we're feeling pretty good about uh, about the group. And then I've got some some personal teams that I manage. But uh, I got to a point where I couldn't manage the personal teams uh, uh, to that point. And Rob and I met, I'd say, about three or four years ago uh, and developed a really good friendship. So uh, that's turned into an awesome, uh, awesome working relationship as well. Yeah, behind every great fantasy conglomerate, there's a there's an understanding spouse. And there is a there's a good partner that goes with that too. Like that's like two two of the main ingredients, man. And you got both of them. Congratulations! Absolutely, there. yeah, for sure. Um, Thank you. So let's let's see here. What do I want to do? I think I want to do yeah. Let's do one final question, and we can expand this however much we, we can do here. Um, as we look at the league championship week here, it's obviously very important to get the start sits right this week. Is there a guy that you think a lot of FFPC people will be starting that you think is due for a bad week, um, given his matchup this week? And then conversely, a guy that's going to be on a lot of benches this week that you think think um, should actually be started in quite a few leagues? You know, it's interesting. We talked about these guys earlier, and I think it's the perfect answer to your question. Um, I would say if you look at last week's snap share in Detroit backfield, you know, Swift actually – uh, picked up a substantial amount of snaps to where he was at prior. And if that trend were to um, continue next week, if that snap share were to grow even further, then Swift is right into, you know, 60% snap share territory, which is basically all we expected when he came out of the gate. Right. And I think he is a hot start uh, suddenly and uh, and everybody is out, is out on him. Uh, conversely, uh, you might want to sit Jamal Williams this week for the same exact reason. I think... Um you know, it would take, cause it would take, it would take a lot of confidence and it would take a lot of chutzpah to do that because I have been sitting Deandre Swift in a lot of my leagues over the course of the last month, month and a half. And over those same six weeks, I've been firing Jamal Williams out there as a start in many of my teams um, where I'm, I'm weak at my second running back. And to do that when everything's on the line for your league, it's, it's hard to do, but again, as you pointed out, you look at the underlying numbers here when you talk about t- touches and snap counts, it's not that crazy when you think about it that Swift should be out there. Maybe Jamal Williams shouldn't be. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about uh, it. So, uh, All right, so let, let's talk about some of the other players here, um, sleepers specifically. Why do you like okay. Ryan? Why, why, do you, why do you like Ryan Tannehill this week? Oh, if I'm desperate, we talked about quarterbacks. If I'm desperate right. for a quarterback this week, Tannehill might actually be on waivers. Um, he does have, you know, that rushing upside. He can score the odd sneaky touchdown as a rusher. Um, and I think the matchup's pretty good as a passer this week. I'm, I'm a Titans fan. And so I'm actually never, ever, ever bullish on the Titans passing game because it's pretty pathetic for the last two years. But uh, this week, if you're desperate, you might actually be able to start Ryan Tannehill. Um, the Rams are on a short week this week. They take on the, the Raiders, obviously a good matchup, but I know the, it seems like the scoring on Thursday night football has always been down. Now the Rams are at home and they're getting six points at home as well. Um, why do you, I mean, with, with obviously Kyron Williams factoring in this and, and with the Rams offense, not looking like a shell of what we thought it was going to be at this point in the season. Why do you like Cam Akers this week? 
I don't know if I would say I like him, but if I'm desperate for a flex option um, in this scenario, I think it's very clear that when the Rams are playing from behind, Kyron Williams will be on the field. And when they're playing from ahead, it'll be Cam Akers. So against the Raiders, it could go either way. I honestly think either team could win that game by 10 points. I have no idea how that game will go. But if uh, if uh, Akers is in a position to be a lead, uh, lead back at home, uh, I think he could score a couple touchdowns and, and potentially pay off for you. I understand why why Darius Slayton, Traylon Burks, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I understand why those guys could be good sleepers this week. Um, what I want to bring, and we already talked about DJ Chark, let's talk a little bit about Zay Jones and Corey Davis because um, Christian Kirk obviously was the man uh, the, the majority of the season. He had a pretty good week uh, this past week as well. But you think about week 11 and 12, Zay Jones blew up. Would, would you be expecting more of those if you're looking for a sleeper at receiver and and maybe he sneaks in there this week as a guy that ends up putting up double-digit points for, for you if you start him? I, I'd have to make sure Trevor Lawrence is healthy, obviously, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, but Zay Jones looked great um, you know, a couple weeks ago. He's actually looked pretty good you know, most of the season in terms of he's gotten some targets. He's just not a big play receiver. Um, and so you can't expect too much from him. But if you're looking for a sleeper and, and you're desperate for a flex option, um, I certainly think he should be rostered and you should, you know, you, you might consider playing him if you don't have better options. It's a good matchup against the Titans. Uh, they, they don't uh, handle the pass very well at all. I think they're actually last in the league in uh, pass defense. So uh, if Trevor Lawrence is healthy, he's playing pretty well. Uh, Zay Jones could get 10 targets. I mean, mm -hmm. so I would consider him, I would check his chest. Uh, looked at him last week with, uh, I played him in DFS and, and it didn't work out well because he had a chest injury, I think, but um uh, I would look also at, you mentioned Corey Davis, I think. Yeah. You say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mike White, man, like what is with this guy? Slings um, it all over the field. Wow. Like just absolutely. Wow. Uh, I picked him up about three or four weeks ago in dynasty for a buck because everyone was kind of talking on Twitter about Zach Wilson getting benched. And then Zach Wilson came back in, uh, didn't sound like he was getting benched. I dropped Mike White in all those leagues. And then I ended up paying like 180 bucks and 200 bucks fab to pick him up everywhere on those same teams. So um, but happy to have him. The guy can put up numbers. It is what it is. So to me, that puts Corey Davis in position. He's the clear number two receiver in that uh, on that team. There's no uh, tight end of significance. There's no running back of significance. So um, again, I'm, as a Titans fan, I've watched and been frustrated with Corey Davis since he came into the league. Um, but again, I think he could he could be a decent DFS or, or flex play this week. Yeah, Corey Davis, uh, a guy who is playing on a Jets team that are getting nine and a half points. So certainly this is a positive game script for him as they head to Orchard Park to take on the Bills uh, Sunday afternoon. And now we're just counting down the days until Zach Wilson becomes the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. I think that's just the right <laughs> of passage for every top five uh, drafted quarterback. Didn't they put Maker on waivers today? Oh, my Yeah, goodness. and the Rams claimed him. The Rams claimed So oh, the Rams okay. – now I don't think that that um, that – Baker Mayfield will be starting this week for the Rams. But yeah, in week 14, I think he's he'll be up to speed and he'll be out there for sure. What um, a sad, unfortunate outcome that is. I, and what what happened? Like like he was the number one overall pick and and he showed flashes in Cleveland. He did. He and I don't know flashes. I, I don't know what it was. Why he just has not been able to 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 you know sustain that that little amount of success they had in Cleveland. The Dizzle, Dave Gerzak and I were talking about this today and neither one of us are kind of like yeah like he should have been better than this but um yeah. one of those things we just won't know the answer to no. um tight ends for for sleepers no fat got in the end zone so i you know i i can see that greg dulcich i mean his own coach came out and said we're going to start using him as a wide more of a wide receiver and hallelujah this is what you want to hear if you own 
uh, Greg Dulcich in any leagues. What about Daniel yeah. Bellinger? Now, he had that nasty eye socket injury. He yeah. has been back for at least one week, maybe two weeks. Um, but what about Daniel Bellinger this week as the Giants uh, get the Eagles at home, giving away six and a half points, a total of 45 and a half? Probably some fantasy goodness in that Giants offense for Bellinger. It's possible. I mean, the guy's flashed uh, every time he's come in. He's a rookie, and you don't usually see that from rookie tight ends. This class, actually, of tight ends, there's been, like, I think eight to 12 guys who have actually flashed, even if it's just for one game. It's a pretty interesting tight end class. But uh, I didn't think Bellinger would make it back this season. I kept an eye on him um, just in case he did. Uh, tight end uh, in New York, there's nothing there. There's nothing at wide receiver either, really. It's just Slayton. Um, so I think Bellinger, you know, he could be in line for a decent amount of targets. Uh, from Daniel Jones, but we're really closing out the show with a, a bang here with these uh, deep sleepers. Yeah, we are. Well, okay. Well, let's close <laughs> it out with some with some um, with some spicy sits here. Okay, Perfect. we talked about Jamal Williams. Now, I think um, we didn't really talk about James Cook, but I understand the reasoning why you might want to start James Cook this week and maybe bench Devin Singletary, given what we saw uh, in that Bills game this past week. Um, but let's talk a little bit about because you got you got some receivers here that I think are interesting. As potential sits this week, what are the warts that you're seeing from guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, and Gabriel Davis? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, Juju, we just haven't seen too much of it. He's been hurt the last few weeks. He had a concussion. Um, I, I don't know. It's not the best matchup. Uh, he hasn't really flashed um, at the end of the day uh, totally. I think he had two or three really pretty good games in a row, but that was it this year. So I'd be more looking for him to come back out and show, uh, prove it to me before I put him in my lineup. Uh, that's assuming I have three or four pretty decent receivers around him, of course. Um, DJ Moore hasn't shown it all year. It's just been a, a really struggle of a year for him. The quarterbacks in Carolina, you just alluded to. So that pretty much sums him up. Uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, targets are there, uh, but it seems like Pickett, uh, you know, the big, the big plays go to Pickens. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Deontay's just, he's been bit uh, against touchdowns. He can't score a touchdown, which is just crazy. He's totally snake bit. Uh, and it doesn't look like that's going to change. Pittsburgh's not scoring a lot of points. Um, and then Gabe Davis, I, I like Gabe Davis. Uh, you're either playing him for a huge week or you're sitting him because he's not going to do anything. It's one or the other. There's really no in between with him. And I think the Jets have a really strong defense. Uh, obviously, they could stick Sauce Gardner on digs, and that might actually open up an opportunity for Gabe Davis. But I think we've seen with Diggs, it doesn't matter who's on him. Uh, and Sauce Gardner's a rookie, so I'll bet on Diggs, and uh, I'll bet on Gabe Davis getting shut down. Yeah, it's it's weird because Johnson and Gabe Davis, you know, you you can make a case for sitting both of them, but it's two opposite reasons. I mean, Deontay Johnson's, you know, floor is probably here, and his ceiling seems to be <laughs> yeah, right here. Exactly. Whereas Gabe Davis's floor is way down here, yeah. and then his ceilings, you know, and, and you just never know what you're going to get. So maybe if you if you are a big underdog. Uh, this week, you play a guy like Gabe Davis. It, it, sure. You know, over, yeah. You know, and if you think you're a big favorite, then maybe you just take the guaranteed 11, 12, 14, whatever it's going to be for Deontay Johnson. I think you can make a case mm -hmm. for that as well. You made a case for a lot of things, not only tonight, uh, Daniel, with drafting, waiver wire, start sit. I think we covered the gamut here tonight as best we could in, in a little bit less than an hour. I wish nothing but the best for you going forward in league championship week and, and, you know, trying to take down that half million dollars in the football guys players championship, the million dollars in the FFPC main event. So much fun to talk fantasy football with you. I always appreciate it. Uh, good luck to you, sir. We will do this again sometime. I, I, uh, I am very thankful to spend my Tuesday evening with you, Mr. Joe Van Gogh. I'm thankful as well. Appreciate uh, being on the show, Eric. Thanks you got so much it. for having me. Absolutely, man. Be good. We'll talk again soon. Daniel Priestner, ladies and gentlemen, the, 
FFPC random artist. Well, you heard it explain the Joe Van Gogh moniker. Um, as we uh, wrap up the road of his high stakes slowdown this week, want to thank uh, Daniel for coming on the show. Uh, I think we got a lot out of that. I know I'm going to be better off uh, submitting my lineups after talking with him. Hopefully you are too. If you uh, are looking for some other action, maybe you're not playing for a league championship this week in the Football Guys Players Championship at the FFPC main event. Remember that you can always play the FFPC weekly challenge. No draft or salary cap. You just pick your players and watch them ride all the way through the weekend. Uh, Thursday games, not eligible for this, but uh, Sundays definitely are. You can choose 10 teams or 10 players uh, if you want to play in the slim format without kickers and defenses. 12 players. If you want to play with kickers and defenses, you can play for a $35 entry fee, a $200 entry fee, or you can get in and uh, you can get in a 30 team contest, a 100 team contest, or a 10 team contest where if you beat the other nine players in that contest, you will win a 2023 FFPC main event free entry uh, where you can play for a million bucks next year. That's all at myffpc.com. Uh, as a reminder, the Betor Sports Network High Stakes Fantasy Football Show airs live on the BSN app, which is free in Google Play and the App Store, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. YouTube, and I think that's it. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, yeah, and the VSN app. Um, that is tomorrow night uh, from 10 in the night with myself and Fantasy Football Today's Doug Orth, uh, who you've seen draft in the FFPC Pros versus Joes before. He'll be my co-host for two hours tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday night, Farrell Elliott and myself right back here on the FFPC YouTube channel at 10, 9 Central. Another great guest getting you set or FFPC main event and football guys players championship league title week uh, this week here in uh, week uh, 14. So thank you so much for watching. We will talk to you again on Friday uh, and, and um, make sure that you are before those rosters lock for the season. Remember to make sure that you're backing up the players you need to back up. Um, so you're not left out in the cold and taking a zero at certain positions the rest of the way. Talk with you Wednesday and Friday, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.